Welcome to Team Rabbit Hole Edition 172 with Hyacinth Gainsborough, Etude in Life, pianist, philosopher, neo-bohemian Taurus. Let's go down the rabbit hole with this esteemed mystic and see what makes him purr. Well met and welcome. What an introduction that was, <laughs> if I must say so myself. <laughs> um, I don't hello. try. What up, dude? <laughs> How's everyone doing? Good. I maybe should have said perm. Maybe I should have said chirp, given the uh, context of your background. Um, but I didn't know. Um, so something we do at the beginning of these episodes, before we kind of jump into talking, um, is the episode 172, I believe. And that would be uh, 10, numerologically reduced. It's the Wheel of Fortune in the Major Arcana. Um, the Wheel of Life in this David D'Angelo's Starman Tarot deck. The Wheel of Life is about, I understand there's a time and a season for everything. Karmic forces are at work, balancing the light with the dark, understanding nature's cycles, watching time pass, opening yourself to the unfolding of life around you. Raphael, what would the Galactic Heritage Card be? Here we got number 64, Pleiades, Devotion to Service, Present Timeline. As a result of their evolution and history, the Pleiadians are now a species devoted to service. This is the main reason why they have interacted with humans for thousands of years. A deep transformation takes place within when you devote your actions to service. This does not mean self-sacrifice, however. If you are already being of service to others, know that this calling is one you have felt for many lifetimes. If you feel you are not yet being of service, this is a message to start soon. Remember, being of service begins with small things, a smile on the street or sending love from your heart. Redefine what service means to you and begin reaching out. So out of curiosity, Mr. Gainsborough, um, did either of those resonate with you? Uh-oh, hi, I sent you on YouTube. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Those were both um, really powerful messages uh, for me at this time. Uh, I found it interesting that both uh, added to 10, which is an interesting um, number, in um, the astrologer Christopher Witecki's, um step astrology system. He associates He's the number 10. He's coming on the 10. podcast for the record. Oh, really? Well, yeah. what, a, what a wonderful <laughs> little synchronicity there. Um, but in his system, he equates number 10 with uh, Taurus. So... That's me, uh, and I think he, uh, he's also a Taurus himself, so uh, really wonderful. And of course, the uh, Pleiades is in the constellation of Taurus, so some, some interesting little combinations there. Um, wow, so I'm really grateful for both of you for um, drawing those cards for me. I'm really actually very touched at the moment. <laughs> well, just so you know, we didn't draw them. It's like the numerological reduction. Raphael's been going It was not chance, it was yeah. fate. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, Hyacinth, I turned on to you. I don't even know how. Facebook's a crazy fucking world. Uh, but at some point, you made uh, some donations to me for my daily car jams, and I very much appreciate that. Uh, and then I started tuning into what kind of what you were on, and it's like whether you're wearing togas and reciting Nietzsche in the woods or playing piano, uh, you've got a real strong aesthetic. I'm pretty sure i got to double check, but we have like my son conjunct your Venus or something like that, um, and you're an 11th house uh, Taurus son. 
So, and I'm a love house and, and then Gemini, Raphael's a Libra, but his North is an Aquarius. So, um, I just knew that you were pretty cool right off the bat and I figured I'd get you on here and we've been kind of, I've been trying to get you on for a while, but it's been hard to schedule it and whatever my issues. Um, but here we is. So I don't know shit about you really though. I, I mean, basically it's drive by kind of awareness. Tell me as much or as little and tell others as much as little as you want about like, where are you from? What kind of culture did you grow up in? When did you start waking up? When did you get into magic and poetry, music, pianos, you know, art, all this kind of stuff? All right. Those are some uh, really interesting questions. Uh, first of all, happy birthday, Libra, whenever your birthday is. Um, and interesting. Uh, wait, thank you. And just for the record, in terms of Jim, because he's trying to make a, make a connection, uh, Taurus and uh, Libra are both through by Venus. So. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And if, uh, that you're in Austria, it sounds like um, is a fun connection as well. I'm have always been really into oh, yeah. um, classical music and of just course Just because Austria. you mentioned it and just before I forget it, because we talk about uh, Taurus and a dear friend of mine who, let's say, dearly departed about a year ago, and kindly mutual, oh, thank you so much, <laughs> the birds are incredibly loud. So just to share the story, because he's been a dear friend and yeah, dearly departed about a year ago and uh, he was also an astrologer, very incredibly unique personality, I can tell you. and. Uh, also, we spoke about astrology in different aspects and Austria and uh, an interesting story about this. I may have mentioned it before to Jim is the idea that uh, Austria actually is like a, let's say, Taurus ruled uh, country and or not Taurus, but Venus. Yeah, and Venus there are two, resonator. Right. And there are I mean, there's a the whole thing with Ishtar and Osteria and Austria and, uh, you know, all kinds of strange history uh, uh, shenanigans, let's say. But on a simple level, just astrologically, Venus as a resonator. And then you have like, let's say the countryside Venus, which would be more the Taurus. So the idea of the former and, you know, the reliability and all those qualities. And the other side would be the Libran quality of, let's say, the empire or the representation or also the arts and so on, which can be very beautiful, can be incredibly diplomatic, but as we know, can also be used for a cover-up and a deception and so on. So just to throw that in, kind of continue. Wow, thank you for that. That was um, some amazing connections uh, there. Um, and it's interesting too that you bring up um, just Austria's connection to the stars and to astrology. It's almost like I feel sometimes I have sort of like past live memories of being in Nuremberg and I don't, well, of course that's in Germany though, but um, <laughs> we won't get into that. But um, almost feeling like remembering how we would practice astrology, you know, back in the 16th century or something like that. And just weird ties I almost have to, you know, the the German speaking lands and all that. Okay, and then, sorry to interrupt you once again, but then just to ask, because you talk about parallel lives and uh, we've had, you know, individuals on the show researching Tartaria, which is one of my most recent pet peeve research topics, because it's incredibly fascinating because it deals with these strange ideas of alchemy, astronomy, old-type buildings, a cataclysm, and also, let's say, a completely different perspective on uh, religion and science, and also the potentiality for a completely different culture. And I cannot connect all the dots yet, because it seems much of, you know, many hundreds of years at least have been edited or invented or lost or who knows what. The German-speaking region, even Michael Tessarian, whom I greatly enjoy, He's kind of in league with um, 
Mark Passio in terms of teachings of sovereignty. Even he mentions like German idealism and you have Goethe, you have all these, you know, Schiller and too many others and I know much too little of it. But it's obviously there's like a powerhouse of culture and philosophy, especially also, and that may be relevant in the like freedom and free spirit uh, leaning uh, area, let's say. But my specific question would be, to the extent that you imagine these ideas, does it match up with what, let's say, textbook history is telling you about the past few hundred years? Or how do you match that up in your own mind? That's a very interesting question. Um, perhaps I'll have to think about it a bit before I can give a, a clear answer, if any of my answers are ever clear anyway. <laughs> but, Gemini Moon, you. <laughs> exactly. Um, I feel that there's definitely some truth to what the textbooks have to say. I have uh, Neptune and Capricorn, um, so anything that I read in textbooks or anything from the past, I just automatically kind of gravitate towards to and in a certain sense maybe idealize, uh, you know, idealizing the past and kind of putting it on a pedestal. Um, but I'm, I'm almost certain that there's something missing. It's almost like the missing link, I guess you could say. But I don't know, it's a very interesting question. What do you think? Well, so I'm thinking how to put this together. So the thing to research, and I keep bringing this up on this podcast, uh, Jim may be uh, bored of it by now, I'm not sure, Jim. You I still have to do the research. So uh, yeah, so thank you for being honest. So anyhow. I hear about so, it here. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, of course. So. Um, this is the, the whole research topic is, you know, great Tartary and Tartaria. This, you know, I can just send you stuff or everyone just put this in. We've done shows. There's plenty of YouTubes. John Levi is a great channel who has like a nice documentary voice and shows you nice I'm pictures, trying. trying to paint that uh, kind of image or just draw up that perspective. So my individual reference is just very simple is that I've went to uh, a school that's like built in, I guess one would say neo Gothic style. Officially it's been built 1850. It's a high school, but it looks more like a monastery or you may say like a courthouse. And you have all of these type of, I call them imperial structures. One would say Greco-Roman style structures. And they almost, always seemed out of place to me. Maybe also because I went to such a school, it looked like Hogwarts or something, right? And uh, officially built very recently, but of course, there's no images of the construction. It was a Jesuit school. Uh, even in, at the end of high school, I started getting into like conspiracies or something or conspiracies, just researching different power structures and groups. Jesuits rank quite high up on that ladder. Uh, anyhow, so these strange structures doesn't really make sense. They're too huge. Uh, people just say it was just for pomp and for show off. That's not enough for me. And then the whole thing comes in with much has been destroyed, removed and changed over the years. And there's just a potential that very simple example, a church with its organ and so on may be used for sound healing. Actually, the way the windows are constructed, it's obviously all super beautiful. These are cymatic patterns, golden ratio. This is a perfect science. And I don't think this is just to go in and, you know, bow your head and uh, praise some guy that's nailed to a cross. You know, I think there there must be like tech reasons behind this and they kind of got deactivated and co-opted. That's my impression. And the way I can relate it individually before I knew about the Tartaria angle, which is more like a recent thing and topic, is that I simply had a dream. 
during a time when I was lucid dreaming quite a lot, or like training that by doing dream journaling. And uh, it was not really like a real dream, or, but it was still interested, interesting because I found myself in Africa actually doing some kind of broadcasting. And there were some other like strange conversations and people I met there. But the main thing that struck me was that I knew I'm like in the past. So like, I would now say, I don't know, a few hundred years ago or something. Um, but it's in Africa. And uh, I get the idea, yeah, I'm broadcasting through some sort of internet, which is strange or have something to do with that. And, and I walk outside for some moment and I notice that it's all built in like a colonial style. Not Greco-Roman in this case, but it looked uh, whatever colonial means, but like it looked kind of too modern and too grand for the, the frame of reference I had. And I really wrote a journal down at that point. And the one sentence that stuck to me because I remembered that I deliberately had to write it down. I wrote down the idea that this country that I'm part of or where I'm broadcasting from is actually the very last country in a federation of former countries or a former state that may have been huge or world spanning that was and I deliberately put that they're actually actively, you know, positively polarized, or for the people or a proper form of, you know, organization, let's say. And this would be another reference to the Tartaria angle, not saying that there everything was great You talked about idealizing the past, right? But just the perspective that it may well be that it's just a few hundred years, if that much that there may have been pretty strong states even that just have been hidden from history and cultures because they would provide a complete antithesis to what we have today and it may even be that much of those former cultures and perspectives actually created much of what now the so-called church and governments claim that they have built and achieved make sense yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. And it's interesting how in Austria specifically, there's always been that same sort of fascination with the past, almost like an obsession with the past. Um, specifically, uh, the creation of the Ringstrasse is coming to mind, where it was built in a Baroque uh, style, very, you know, grand and ornate and all that sort of stuff. Um, That's what time. they say, right? But are there any, just, uh, sorry, but I'm just asking, like, I'm always in, like, are there proper construction photos and so on? And I looked at some, there's a bit, but it's, like, pretty slim, at least for me. That's really interesting. Um, I, I honestly don't know myself and I never really try to um, claim that I know anything. Um, but I'm definitely getting a feeling that you're really onto something and I must also admit that the whole idea of uh, Tarturia um, is something that's also very new to me as well and something that I haven't researched and I think perhaps if I were to research it um, I would start to kind of remember more and more uh, or at least just yeah, get so it just reading if i may read i don't know he said capricorn moon maybe jim may tell me if that's completely no, gemini wrong, moon. But, he's got a oh, gemini neptune moon. in capricorn neptune, I. Right. I mean that's generational so you might even have that up oh yeah no, no of course i do no totally I hey, do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah of course in capricorn of course well, no, no, starts making sense the three four chart. things no so maybe that that may be interesting to you i found it incredibly illuminating and one again very simple starting point is the old map by Marcus Ortelius, where you have Tartaria marked in the area of Russia, and you have some like about two, three hundred year old world encyclopedia, encyclopedias, or however you call it, where you know every state, every sovereign state gets their flag, and you actually have a flag for Tartary or Chinese Tartary. And I'm just like, 
I'm so sorry, but why did I not ever read about this in any textbook, any history teacher ever? Like, at least to me, these things are kind of strange. It's interesting that you um, mentioned that, and um, oddly enough, I'm thinking of my grandmother as you as you mentioned that. I'm actually in Arizona, so quite far from Austria, um, but she was always very interested in anthropology, um, and being from Arizona in the Southwest, she um, you know spoke Spanish fluently. It was her first language, and one um, race of people or one group of people she would always mention were los tartaros. And so I should try to figure out more about what she meant. That's that. exactly that. No, please figure that out. Totally. That's so, this I is exactly what believe. it's about. Yes, yes, yes. This is exactly what it's about. And she's always, you know, she was a Jehovah's Witness, interestingly enough. Uh, so um, she probably wouldn't know, you know, much about anything that we're talking at or our angle that we're approaching all this from. But it's so interesting that she's always kind of speculating from her point of view, like how, what happened after the Tower of Babel fell. And again, she comes from a, the Jehovah's Witness and a Judeo-Christian kind of background. But, you know, she's always having these really intriguing comments about, well, what, what about the Turkish? What about the Ottoman Empire? What about the Habsburg Empire? How do they all relate together? And how did this, right. you know, go back in time? Um, but of course, you know, I should, I should start doing more research on that now that you bring it up. But that's just so mind blowing, honestly. So I really appreciate that. Well, I'm really happy that you got your personal connection to that. Yeah, it's to me, it's been super fascinating. If you either just enter the search topics, or I'll send you some interesting channels. That's why we I keep inviting guests on to talk about this. It's kind of, you know, far out there, because it's in a sense about the parallel timeline. However, if we consider all those choke points we have and even just you know bad public education systems that no one even knows their grandma's name anymore you know then it's relevant to at least really contemplate those ideas and yeah so sounds super fascinating what you mentioned and there there's a, i think there's a lot there and i think it's so exciting because i think there there could be a lot both in terms of positive you know culture and also technology and all kinds of things water structurization sound healing and so on we could easily reactivate and i think yeah that's kind of what's exciting to me because i'm like all oh, many of these buildings and things fortunately or some are still around and uh yeah so i want to see them put to proper use that's wonderful and especially with sound healing i mean sound is so powerful with everything you know essentially being a vibration of either a light you know wave or a sound wave of some sort or another it's like it's almost like a direct connection to something higher than ourselves or our higher selves or just something along those lines you know the power of sound and it's no surprise that you know the german lands and austria specifically has always had such a close relationship with music and the development of music and all that um and yeah so really interesting stuff that i'm gonna have to look more into well kind of alluded to that you're in arizona but i am curious of like and you like, what was your culture growing up? Where have you grown up? How did you get into the piano? Um, fill us in on the kind of call me Ishmael side of things. Oh, I, I appreciate the Moby Dick reference. Um, well, I've uh, been in Arizona pretty much all my life. Um, I'm 23 years old. Um, I've been just sort of exploring the nature out here. I, I don't necessarily 
feel I belong here completely, but there's something here. Uh, sometimes I wonder if it has to do with all the copper in the soil, as, as crazy as that sounds, but there's something here for me that I still have to, you know, figure out before I venture out into places that my heart really feels that it belongs, you know, such as places like Austria and all that. Um, but that's sort of besides the point. Um, I started learning the piano when I was very young. Um, and my mother actually was the one who taught me. Uh, she took lessons herself when she was um, like a teenager, um, but she didn't really keep up with it after she um, had all of us. And so she passed on all the knowledge that she had uh, acquired from her years as a student of the piano um, onto me. And since then, I have just kind of been tinkering with it on my own um, and just sort of studying, researching as much as I can. Uh, as I was in school, I took, you know, orchestra and choir and all that fun stuff to learn more about reading music and music theory. Especially. So you're a total music kid. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and music theory for me has been something that is just so enlightening, you know, and so, so applicable to so many different areas of life, just seeing how everything fits together on like the smallest level, like just one single note contains infinity, you know, contains every, you know, note imaginable, even the ones that aren't imaginable that are imaginable that are just so far out of the range of human hearing and, you know, with the overtone system and all that and just imagining how one note can, can fit together with so many other notes and create this structure of, of, of beauty, of glory, of something higher than ourselves, of something that's just, you know, so deeply touching that we can't even put it into words. Um, and so if, I guess for that reason is why I've been so attracted to like classical music and all that. Um, and I don't mean just going back to Bach or Mozart, but also to the Renaissance, the, the medieval times, even honestly to Gregorian chant and all that sort of thing. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, when you, when you take music history classes, um, which I did when I was in college, um, I since dropped out, <laughs> but, um, drop out, when you, gang. I'm an artist <laughs> drop out. <you>. Right. <laughs> awesome. Um, but it's interesting when you study Western music history, they only go back as far really as Pope Gregory and Gregorian chant and the, the history there, the legend or the myth or whatever you want to call it is that a dove came and, you know, sang all these chants to him and that he transcribed them down. Um, but sort of before then is there, the musicologists are sort of clueless and even going back to ancient Greece, I mean, there's tons of Greek uh, music that was notated and not much of it really survives. And the actual manuscripts that do survive, um, particularly like the Delphic hymns or the epitaph of Sikilos, I believe is, is what uh, that one of those pieces is called. It's like we don't quite know exactly how to interpret the notations that they themselves had, had come up with. Um, so anyway, yeah, I guess to just <laughs> simplify it all down and kind of get my thoughts together a little more clearly is that I am a total music nerd and I, um, yeah, just love music and I believe that it's really a big component of, of life itself and just what we are and I think it will also help to guide us forward, you know, going into this new, these uncharted waters, you know. I think it was Beethoven said that uh, something to the effect of music is the highest revelation or whatever. Um, Absolutely. Seems, yeah, it seems very applicable. So you were saying you, your grandma was Jehovah's Witness. Was that a family kind of tradition, or was just her it, Yeah, it actually is, uh, and that's been something that um, you know I've had to deal with 
uh, kind of coming into my own um, beliefs, my own spirituality and all that sort of stuff, which again was also imparted to me by my mother. I'm a Cancer rising, so maybe that has something to do with it, my really close uh, relationship with my mother. It's funny also, she's a Taurus and her birthday's May 6th, which <laughs> funny enough is Sigmund Freud's birthday, so <laughs> that's, that's kind of funny, isn't it? But um, yeah, I mean, we, my mother and I kind of have awakened sort of in tandem or just we've been kind of traveling down the same path. Um, I feel that it was mostly her things to work through um, regarding all the Jehovah's Witness stuff and all that. So growing up and having to go to, um, you know, their meetings, as they call them, it was kind of like we Kingdom were... Halls. Oh, yeah, the Kingdom Halls, all that fun stuff. <laughs> um, but just having to deal with... Well, how would I put it? Having to deal with the sense of, like, feeling like I'm hiding something or that, like, I'm going to, to please, you know, my family when it's not something that I really resonate with or that I feel that I'm a part of or, you know, that kind of thing. Just going to to be part of the the family or to be part of the group of people who are going to be resurrected in the paradise and all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, so yeah, I've, I was raised to kind of approach it respectfully, but to not um, buy into it completely. But also, like I said, to just come to it with like open ears, I guess, and realize that the Bible is, you know, chock full of tons of of metaphors and imagery that we can still learn from today, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to answer to a group of elders who think that they have the power to excommunicate you if you, you know, don't do what they say, <laughs> which is sort of what we're dealing with today in a certain way, just with all this, you know, control, power stuff happening, you know, all that Capricorn. Whether it's fascism or cancel culture, everyone's trying to control everyone's perceptions. The South Node isn't sad right now, you know, so people are like, hey, I have the truth and get on board or die. How, how wrong we all are, I guess, right? <laughs> Correct. So, um, so you kind of were going, uh, I don't know, I want you to kind of extrapolate a little further on the thread that you were saying that you think you and your mom are in a tandem kind of awakening process. How does, what does that look like to you? What, what is, can you elaborate? Yeah, so I'll share uh, kind of an interesting story with you. Um, in 2012, actually it was um, on Big Easter. Year. Right, it was, it was on Easter of 2012. Um, I guess I would have been 11 years old. No, 15 years old. Sorry, 15 years old. Um, my mom and I were, were here at home, and honestly, it's been such a strange thing to think about, but somehow we, we almost entered into like what I would now describe as being like a sort of psychedelic experience with just with nothing at all, with no drugs. I mean, I was 15 years old. I, neither of us had taken anything like that. And still, even to this day, it kind of is a, a mind-boggling idea of like, well, what even happened that year? Like Easter of 2012. But I feel that was really a huge shift for us both. Um, and as she, you know, this was around the time that she really broke away from all those um, old belief systems um, that were imparted to her in the Jehovah's Witness uh, religion. Um, and as she started studying more um, about, you know, Eastern religions or just different philosophies, um, 
more about astrology, which is something that we were always interested in, even though it was like a big hush-hush kind of thing, like never mention astrology in front of <laughs> anyone from the Jehovah's Witness. Um, Just ask them how they found baby Jesus. That's all I ever told <laughs> Like, y'all, right. like, magi means magicians. Right, and and of course the three magi, of course, you know, were coming with from. There were astrologers, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, they're like, hey, look. I mean, I don't know how exactly went down, but the idea is like, there's Regulus and Jupiter conjunct over here. We got a new king. All right, let's just go over here. Right. Yeah. So um, that was an experience that really kind of baffles me to this day, and I I don't know exactly what I would call it other than that being a, a really big part of our own awakening. Um, and since then, I mean, things have changed a lot. There's Was there been something a... specific phenomenologically that happened? Like, you guys like, my ears are ringing and I see the dove, or like, what happened? It was, it was like taking a few caps of mushrooms, is what I would as describe it um, as being like nowadays. Of course, at that, at that point in my life, I had um, no frame of reference. But I specifically, for me, remember everything beginning to spin as if I was looking at a spinning plate. You know, and every everything in my field of vision was just moving around and, and sort of breathing and, and shifting and morphing into one another. And what was really terrifying to me was I got the sensation that my eyes were being squished into the center of my forehead, which obviously now I would say was, would be my third eye point. And staring at myself in the mirror, trying to see why my eyes were still in the place that they were in my head, you know, in, in the correct quote-unquote correct part of my head but how they were like shift like how was it that I felt that my eyes were in between my forehead but as I was staring into the mirror like I still saw my eyes like in the correct spot you know what I mean it was almost like I was imagining my eyes to shift into like the Alex Gray third eye uh, kind of painting that he that he does you know it's like a fiery rainbow um, kind of eye at the center of the forehead and just like staring at myself and thinking it was terrifying and hilarious and being like, what is going on? And we were both asking each other, you know, what is going on? What is going on? Like, are you okay? Like, and I had, I have um, other brothers and, su and such, and um, they were like, what's the matter with you two? Like, are you guys okay? Like, it was, it was freaking them out. And at this time, my mother was also kind of researching um, Magenta Pixie and just uh, those different things, different channelings from different, um, you know, star systems or different ascended masters or, or what have you and she she was shaken by it because of her own belief systems that were ingrained in her as she was a little girl um from the right or she, yeah she she thought it was like the apocalypse and so she kind of started frantically searching flash, it might have been. <laughs> right exactly that's something that's you know i still think about i i definitely think about like maybe <laughs> maybe i died. survived a timeline shift well, whatever like the, the movie Lost or the show Lost. I mean. Well, whatever the hell it was, it was certainly you know a big, a big deal in my life, and it's something that we don't really tell anyone um, because it's just so inexplicable. But I remember she was looking at the um, at the news, like trying to see like what's going on with the world. Like, have we been have we been bombed, or is this like what is going on? You know, and um, she stumbled across a, a channeling like right at that moment that sort of put everything into perspective for her. I don't quite remember what the message was. I'd have to ask her if she even remembers um, what the message was, but it, it really kind of comforted us and made us feel like, you know, like, this is okay, like, you're just, you're shifting, you're, you're awakening, you're, 
I don't even I don't even know what, but whatever it was really kind of set everything into motion for me since then. So were you into channeling and new age kind of stuff and esoterica at that point, or was your mom going into the pool and you weren't wet yet, or how did that work? She she was researching and she was um, sharing everything with us. You were getting secondhand smoke. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Secondhand secondhand vibes, I guess. <laughs> Secondhand Gnosis, that's a good band name. Anyway, um, so uh, keep walking me through this. So that was 2012. I don't know. I mean, we had gone all, I, I've gone all over the place time-wise to jump in wherever you want. So you've been doing music. You were raised kind of Jehovah's Witness, started kind of not drinking the Kool-Aid, but kind of going along to be a good son or a culture member or whatever, um, which is admirable. You could have just like Molotov to the fucking Kingdom Hall or whatever. <laughs> could have been worse, let's just say. Uh and that event was specific to your like you know surroundings shifting but um what maybe further along i mean was it just gradual kind of like okay i believe in chakras now i believe in this and i do mantras like how did you start getting like magical i suppose it's just been a gradual shift since then um there was definitely a big uh chunk of that time where i wanted to just turn away from all of that and even just the mention of astrology or anything along those lines would make my make my uh stomach turn yeah exactly you do have so, a north node in virgo right so it's like at some point you're like this is impractical probably oh yeah or i just thought it was all mumbo jumbo and i didn't want to hear it and like how'd you, you get know. over that speed bump well actually i had another really interesting experience um that was just last year um shortly after my birthday i went camping in the woods and i started seeing a lot of really strange lights in the sky and it just started to rem remind me of all the other times that, you know, we would see those sorts of things in the sky, especially right after and right um, during around that same time, you know, Easter of 2012, and all these just strange happenings going going on that I didn't quite understand and almost didn't want to understand because I still had a lot of fear within me, you know, just the fear of not knowing or, oh, it's the devil or, oh, it's evil or, you know, just, just that kind of thing, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, so that kind of rekindled you to getting into Wateki again, or like, I'm kind of wondering. If you were like, I'm over this, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, those fucking lights just got cool, so I guess astrology is cool again. Like, how'd that work? It was honestly just a natural thing, I guess. Um, I just felt myself drawn to look at my birth chart again. Um, you know, back in like 2012 and all that when we were all when my mother was getting into this and, and myself as well, you know, she showed me my birth chart and was like, this is, this is what you are, you know, you're here on this mission, da, 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 you know. And it just rekindled like the urge in me to look at my birth chart again and look at it with, with kind of an, uh, an open mind, I guess. That's what's up. Uh, yeah, you have a 12,000 moon in Gemini. So, I mean, you're, you probably channel <laughs> or something. I imagine you see shit. Oh, yeah, I mean, but again, I just, I still am, am cautious with, with what I receive, you know, in those, in those moments of connection. I don't even know how else you would call it, but like, I, I guess there's still a part of me that doesn't want to, like, you don't want to go batshit and drink cool. Exactly. And I, I mean, you're right, a Virgo exactly. North Node Taurus, so it's like, you're grounded and you're like, I don't know, man, I don't want to. I'll get wet, but I don't want to go scuba diving. Like, right, uh, right. So I'm kind of curious. Um, do you find that? Do you okay? So I mean, you're into esoterica and magic and stuff like that. But like, are you finding it coming through the arts 
being more palpable and relatable, that's the place for transcendence for you? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what really made astrology uh, click for me um, was looking at it and being like, hey, this is the circle of fits, you know, the circle of fits in music theory, it's just the 12, 12 notes of the chromatic scale arranged, you know, in a clock face. Um, based off the interval of the fifth, you know, which is probably one of the most fundamental um, intervals that, you know, structures every every sound that we hear as a tone apart from the octave, um, you know. So that's that's really what blew my mind and just wanting to explore more the connections between astrology and music and potentially even like how you would cast someone's birth chart but interpret it musically, you know what I mean? As if you were to like superimpose someone's birth chart on the circle of fits um, and kind of play it out in that sense, if that makes any sense. But absolutely, yeah, I believe very strongly in the power of art and the power of, you know, art. Something that's beyond just rational intelligence. Word. Um, so I, there's actually a book I read that was really good back in the day called Music, the Brain and Ecstasy. You probably enjoy that. Um, it's kind of about the evolutionary. Have you read it? Yeah, actually I, I, I have. It's, it's a very good book. Solid. Yeah. It talks about like, you know, um, savants and like channeling. It's like, how does this kid who can't fucking tie his shoes, how is he playing full on Beethoven? stuff right or even um it might have been another book that i'm thinking of where i read this uh particular anecdote in um but like someone who got struck by lightning that could suddenly play like the piano as if they were a concert pianist or something along those lines yeah it's crazy stuff that's a good book as far as the astrology and music two things that come to mind i'll send you some links in uh, messenger when we're done with this um, there's a good two-and-a-half-hour documentary that starts with kind of Pythagorean um, quadrivium kind of stuff with, like, music, and just you'd like it. It's called The 21 Faces of God. You're into Tarot anyway, so it's, like, a uh, good, good little Hogwarts moment if you wanted. And then the other thing, I forget his name. I think it's San, uh, Ezra Sanzerball or something, but he used to do stuff with the Syncbook community. I think he got over that. Um, but he was a musician who was always correlating um, scales to uh, like astrology and certain stuff. I don't have that book, I don't think. Um, I'll send you some links though. But yeah, it seems there's like a lot of content there. I'm presuming, I mean, I've, I've tripped a lot on acid to it. Um, have you ever heard, oh, what's the guy's, Gustav Holst, The Planets? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's one of my, one of my favorite pieces, of course. Um, and Holst himself, it's interesting, um, he had one of his friends cast his birth chart for him, but he actually did it wrong. <laughs> so that's sort of a funny little, a funny little thing there. Um, obviously, back in those days, they didn't have astro.com. I've actually had uh, recent, not recent, like maybe a month ago, somebody gave me uh, from Australia, I was doing his chart, and I didn't, like, there was a date switch, like we would say four 20 is like April, and then said oh, 20 is not going to work. 12, let's just say it's like, oh, it's December 4th, not 12th of April. So, anyway, I did the wrong chart, and I'm like, oh, I owe a chart reading, I guess, to cast the, the wrong chart can happen. Um, and it's always funny when that happens, I guess. But, um, so what are kind of some of your epistemal, like, I mean, uh, ontological presuppositions? Like, are you a theist? Like, it sounds like you're uh, leaning towards pragmatism for the reason you don't want to get suckered into, like, too much woo but like uh like do you believe in good and evil like where where's your head at i know you were probably you know getting programmed to a point by kind of 
Jehovah's Witness stuff, but like, what do you believe? You know, I always like to say that I believe in everything and nothing at the same time. Um, but if I had to, if I had to choose, I would say that I am a a, a believer in music. <laughs> well, that's a good place to start. It seems like everything. Is Aren't there even some Nietzsche quotes in relation to music? Some really good ones. Those who couldn't hear the music were thought to be mad and that kind of shit. Oh yeah. I'm forgetting. Uh, speaking of Nietzsche, what were you reciting? I mean, you're into poetry. I'm pretty sure it was maybe um, and Beyond Good and Evil. Poet. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. I think I saw you doing Nietzsche at one point, um, but you might have been doing some other, um, like Rilke or something like that. Um, I, yes, one of my favorites, absolutely, Rilke. Um, you know, it's it's funny thinking about Nietzsche. One of my fears has sort of been to end up like him if that makes any sense where one day you just kind of go over horses exactly you just go completely mad or just something along those lines and you know Aleister Crowley had sort of a similar fate um, and even just like the character main character in uh, Crime and Punishment you know I think had a dream at one point in the book where uh, he saw someone beating a horse or something along those lines it's always just been sort of a weird a weird kind of gray area for me where it's like I don't want to lose my mind but I also want to get beyond my mind. Do you know what I mean? It sounds like a 12th house Gemini Moon thing. You're like, oh, yeah. I'm afraid of losing my mind because <laughs> I'm tapped into the collective emotionally as it is. Do you consider yourself an empath? I do, yeah, but I just don't like to really um, project that or, you know, claim claim any titles really where people are going to project all their preconceived notions onto me or just think I'm some hokey pokey new age, you know, mofo or something along those lines, jumping along the, jumping on the ba the bandwagon or anything like that. But then again, that could just be my own projections. <laughs> so uh, just to get that straight, you're worried that people would think that about you or <laughs> right. That I would okay, be misunderstood. Just, yeah. Just let me break it to you. I would suggest, uh, from the range that I've seen, and I'm certainly deliberately pretty much on the fringe, but also from those where I would say, oh, they're great scientists with great records and all of that. Uh, let me break it to you in that sense that you will never escape from someone, you know, projecting the very worst and all the kind of things onto you, no matter how diligent you are. At least that's my experience, not just from myself, but even more so from others that I, uh, that I've seen. Of course, there is a gradient there. I just want to say that that's not something one should really worry about. I guess that's just programmed into this matrix then, huh? right? Well, he is 23, well, and that's not a slight, yeah. but it's like, he's got to go through a Saturn return still. He'll, he'll figure some shit out. Right, I'm like, don't remind me. <laughs> That'll be fun. Oh, it's only getting better, is it not? I would say so. I mean, um, since 2012, I've really had to grow a lot emotionally and come through a lot of my own darkness, my own shadows and all that good stuff. But I'm really coming to a point in my life where I just feel like that's sort of all behind me. Um, and maybe that's where some of this misunderstanding comes from. I mean, we often see so many posts on Facebook that are like, people who are light workers just want to believe in love and happiness, but they don't know that there's darkness and na 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 where it's like, well, I'm sorry that I don't want to go back back to that when I've already kind of done that work, you know. Yeah, it's like oversimplification much, just what you mentioned, and there is too little differentiation, maybe even because of the, you know, Tower of Babel or whatever may have happened. Yeah, and uh, let's just say the focus on these one-line media in text only 
doesn't make it easier to really get what someone else is saying or to really feel where they're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. And I really do think that it all kind of just boils down to the feeling, you know, more than anything else, especially more than the words. It's funny because uh, especially you're younger, it's like coming of age in a time when social media is kind of what it is. Um, it's so tricky because there's a lot of groupthink. There's a lot of people wanting to have experiences and talking about them, but maybe not having had them, which is fine. Um, and then there's a lot of people who will, you know, for example, like when people are just like, oh, fuck those hippies for all love and light. There's a danger for that. Maybe somebody's chart reflects something where they're like an ever optimist, no matter what, you know, they'll go through their shit. I don't think anybody, you know, like Raphael, he's not like all love and lighter, for example, but he's more into Bashar. Uh, I don't know if you know who Jaronka is, who channels Bashar, but the kind of thing where it's like, it's all you. It's like, there is no external. And, uh, I mean, I'm not even sure why I'm picking that one, Raphael, as the beliefs that I'm thinking about, but like everything's happening for a reason. It's based off your beliefs and your frequency, like that kind of stuff. And I think that can, I mean, it gets tricky really quickly depending on moral presuppositions. Like if someone wants there to be yes. total chaos, go ahead. And just, just briefly want to say that, and, and I'm not like, you know, projecting this on you just as a case in point. Yeah, it gets really tricky, especially then if you hear those things and all kinds of strange fear-based, survival-based conditioning spring up, they're trying to tell you that going down that path is inherently dangerous. Uh, in this case, I would agree, like with Spider-Man or whatever, with great power comes great responsibility. However, once again, that is simply the increase in ability to respond to situations freely. So actually, it is the ability to exercise free will. And uh, one has to really be discriminated in terms of real and potential, or well, real, but you know. <laughs> Evidence. Yeah, but the potential to have negative experiences for all kinds of reasons, yeah, which may be discerned. And where it's just, you know, fear mongering or like the, you know, um, astral red tape, you know, so the cow or whatever, you know, doesn't go off to a reservation, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot of people who are invested in keeping things. I mean, that's what cultures are. Cults are cultures. Everyone's a part of a cult. You can't escape it. I mean, and McKenna would say culture's not your friend in a sense that you can be used by it. You can start becoming an object in a machine that you give yourself to in such a way that you stop believing things for yourself and start inheriting beliefs of others to just fit in, in a sense. I guess what I was only saying, Raphael, is like, um, when I when we first started talking, because I stumbled upon Raphael back in the day, I think I posted a DMT trip report I had about meeting Egyptian deities and having a Kundalini activation, and he responded, and then we started talking, and then here we are now. But um, so he's always been kind of my psychedelic fringe friend. Um, uh, Hyacinth, we both have Jupiter and Aquarius. Yours is in the eighth, mine's in the seventh. But um, <laughs> so. I think something to... What does it mean, Jim? I'm one step ahead oh, of you. I'm, no, sorry. Uh, I'm cool with weird people. So I have all sorts of weird friends. Whereas Hyacinth, I think, with Jupiter expansion, what, in eight, 8,000 Aquarius, like he's going to have fucking soul meltdowns with his mom on Easter or whatever. You know, it's like, oh, shit. Okay, transformation's going to be really, like, scientific almost. I don't even know how to explain it. Like, alien. I digress. But the point, uh, I was kind of, if there was a point, was something to the effect of Raphael was always very, I mean, I, Raphael, you remember our old conversations, I used to be like very antagonistic, I guess, and scared is maybe too strong a word, but like cautious about the 
moral relativism of the all is one kind of thing. Because then I would go into, you know, dumb what about Hitler and stuff? And now sure. I'm in a place where it might not be comfortable. It's like these people had agreements and they had, you know, they were playing out energies and this is just the nature of, you know, break an egg. This is how it looks. And if you choose to break eggs, it, you might be, it, it, it gets tricky. Uh, and I'm not, I'm just rambling now. Goddamn damn my life. But point is, Hyacinth, what I was kind of getting at originally was like, you've been coming of age on social media to the point where... <laughs> Especially around 2013 and 14, um, after 2012 a little, like I think there was like a wave of kind of hype around New Age, and then it became jaded, and then there was like this kind of like self-righteous versus like authentic versus inauthentic, that's the whole shit, like love and light's not all what's up, you gotta do shadow work, it's like, yeah, I mean. Yeah, but then like just to reinforce that point, also what you said, Hyacinth in terms of it's usually generalizations and then it's really like depending, I mean, who you're talking to and uh, when do you actually feel that it's like if someone says light worker, do you identify with that group? And you know, what is their image and their projection in their own mind about that idea? How far have they come themselves? Therefore, they will talk about whatever version they see within their own reality in a certain way. And all of these things, I mean, we'd need like a few pages of tags and further explanations and annotations, just like you have with, I guess, the Bible or the Quran or whatever, if you get good versions, where like 10 scholars will come and then explain what's actually meant so that it really gets across. That's kind of the image I'm getting now. Yeah, that's, that's all really interesting things to consider. Um, and believe it or not, I only really joined uh, social media as of April or so. I had never... Uh, wanted to really be a part of, of anything like that, uh, even when I was just a young, well, young younger, I guess you could say, um, kid, you know, like being 16, 17, 18, it was just something that I didn't really feel that I belonged with. I didn't want to, you know, connect with people for a long time. I just kind of felt that it was all so, I don't know exactly what, it was just me being self-righteous, I guess, or just thinking that I'm somehow you know, different from other people or that I didn't want to be like, you know, other people my age or whatever. But as I, you know, got... you're going live and playing piano, bro. Right, exactly. And so it's like, it blows my mind somehow, like to just think how much I've grown, you know, just to really come 180, I guess, with the, with the whole thing. Um, well, if people are taking food selfies. I mean, that's why Team Rabbit Hole exists at all. At some point, like around 2012, I went through a breakup that was pretty hardcore. Before then, I might have made a post or two every couple, you know, I'm moving to Richmond or going to Hawaii or, you know, whatever. Very rarely said anything on Facebook. I didn't care about it. Twitter was out. I don't even know if Instagram was a thing yet. MySpace had just died, right? That kind of mode. And um, at some point, I was just kind of fed up of all the infighting, it seemed. Ironically, nothing compared to these days. But, like, just people bitching about shit or posting food selfies and just being kind of narcissistic. So I started posting pictures of, cool shit with quotes which is pretty normal now but i mean i don't know anybody else doing it at the time so i just started doing that that turned into like making all these hashtags that turned into hashtag team rabbit hole somebody said that was cool made a page just got twelve thousand people following it now now it's a podcast huzzah but the point is it's we both have eleven thousand sons <laughs> and a lot of i have a lot of uranium energy we're going to be using technology to communicate and get our ideas across and uh you just have to kind of i mean now that uranus is in taurus and you're in eleventh house, Taurus Sun. It's like you are going to be getting turned on to the Matrix. It's just how it is, right? And I guess a big part of it too has just been my ego surrendering. You know what I mean? Like not wanting to fight anymore and just not wanting to 
create more resistance within myself by denying my own real self, my, my highest self, my real soul mission here, if that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, you beautify the world. I mean, I think that's what 11,000 fucking Taurus is going to be doing. It's like you're here to illumine through beauty and aesthetic, like to the digital masses in a sense. Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, it's been it's been um, a journey getting there, you know, and and me going to school uh, to the university to study music, I thought was gonna um, help me get there. You know, I was trying to go down the Neptune and Capricorn path where I'm gonna do things the right way and the way that the textbooks say, and I'm gonna get my degree in piano performance and I'll perform, you know, recitals and blah blah blah. And while I do really feel very deeply for you know, the classical repertoire and studying music on a more um, scholarly level or intellectual level, I was also realizing that it was just so so draining for me to have to come from a background of being um, primarily self-taught and then having just lessons from my mother and being put with, you know, people who had been taking lessons with the best teachers since they were four years old, you know, and had already, you know, learned all the songs that I was still trying to learn and this and that. But you can see there it was just ego insecurities um just projecting all over the place and feeling like it, it was just i just felt so wrong and it was it was crushing in a certain sense where almost my whole life i felt like i'm gonna i'm gonna study music and i'm gonna get my degree and i'm gonna be i'm gonna be a dma you know doctor of musical arts and i'm gonna be dr hyacinth or whatever and having to come to the realization of well you know this isn't this really isn't me at all and um it's funny, this was all just within the last year or so, the last two years, um, that all of this kind of fell apart. I was even uh, working at a little music school, um, teaching the piano to mostly younger kids and also uh, adult beginners and some intermediate students, and of course, and uh, just that kind of thing. And just feeling like I love to teach, I love to share the things that I've learned with people, but somehow it was just not, it just wasn't me. And so it all just started to fall apart. Um, and then lo and behold, coronavirus comes around and <laughs> it was already, it was already dead on arrival, I guess you could say. So, um, make that... a podcast about music, bro. You could talk uh, at length about like, do a little research, be a Virgo, North node, do some research and then talk at length about whatever. I would right. Right. I, I definitely feel like that's, um, kind of a path that I'm meant to go down, especially, um, with my knowledge of the classical repertoire and all that and of music theory. But again, it's like. I didn't want to become someone who's like, oh, you know, I don't ever listen to the radio and oh, Pink Floyd, ugh, you know, like someone like that, you know, which is really what you find so much in the academic, um, you know, music circles and all that kind of thing, the self-righteousness, the holier than thou kind of thing, or I'm better than you or blah, 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 you know, just all that ego bullshit that like, I just didn't want to be a part of anymore. And this was also around the same time that I had that kind of weird experience with um, all these lights in the sky that sort of turned me back on to, I guess, my my real path. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun seeing you kind of develop because there's, I mean, look, like I said, a hashtag turned into a pod, international podcast, right? So it's like, who knows where things go? Never sh go with your, I mean, Raphael, you might as well give him the spiel of the equation from Bashar, but it's like, follow your joy and don't have any expectations. It's like, what gets you off? Like, that's the point. Um, maybe you saw some angels in the sky or aliens or how, whatever, the harmony of the spheres doesn't really fucking matter what that was, but something veered you in a new way. And, um, I mean, there's all sorts of ways to cut the cake 
especially with COVID now, it seems people are more isolated. I mean, teaching might be tricky, but um, there's a guy named Jules Holland. I don't know if you've ever seen that show. He's kind of a performer. It's kind of a variety show in Europe where he's like, you know, bands like Arcade Fire and a few other bands. It's kind of like a word of Saturday Night Live without sketches, just musical guests that rotates. So it's like, you play a song. Now you guys play a song. Now you guys play There's like three stages. I'm not saying you're going to do that, um, but there's also, you do whatever you want in a sense. There's no wrong here. And because you've got the primer for how to analyze and read and stuff, and you do take that well. I mean, maybe you're, uh, can be the bridge between like these kind of snobby intellectual classical peeps and, you know, being a passionate artistic lesbian, you know, like kind of person where it's like, oh, let's embody the muses or, you know, whatever that fuck. Because a lot of people, I mean, I play guitar, right? And I've jammed with some, like a cellist and a um, violinist, brother and sister, that were uh, like classically trained. They'd never really improvised. And my brother plays drums and I play guitar. This is like back in 2000 something. But anyway, I like our lake house. Like this family came through and they're like, oh, we're going to Juilliard and all this stuff. And I was like, I had electric guitar. I was like, let's jam. They didn't know how to play not on the sheet, right? And I'm like, I don't know how to read. So it was just kind of coming into the world together. You could do shit like that for sure. Um, I don't know. I'm rambling, but my point is you can kind of, especially with an 11th house son, you can kind of hack as long as you're doing it for service North and you know, Virgo, as long as you feel like you're helping people for their mental, spiritual health, whatever. Um, there's like no going wrong. And it seems like you've got some good foundations. So now just trust yourself. Look at, you know, you don't have to go get a degree and be a doctor necessarily. Like read the books. Look at the curriculums of all the schools and musicology that interests you. You know what I mean? Like, just scour what's out there and, like, fucking download illegally PDFs of these books or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, research. Do your own shit. I bet you could come up with some interesting... Uh, there's actually something called the Lydian Chromatic Concept. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Um, I'll send you a link. It's fascinating. It's about, like, the... Uh, um, the... Oh, is it Ionian scales, the major scale? It's the major scale is like incorrect, and we should be based off of a sharp four, like the Lydian is like what is the, like the father of it all. And also, this thing, it's crazy. It gets into jazz real quick, which I don't think is your shtick, but um, it might open your head up in a psychedelic way to new kind of levels of music uh, and weirdness. I mean, the, the sky's the limit, and you're young, and you're going to have fun, so don't freak out about it yet. Uh, let's go ahead and take a quick music break. I don't know what Raphael has in store for us. But we can gather our thoughts, and when we come back, we can talk about whatever. Well, however, we shall continue. Jim. Well, I, I isn't, uh, where do you want to go with this? We can talk about music, we can talk about psychedelics, I don't know if you're into that. We can talk about politics, we can talk about fucking whatever. I really don't care. Well, first things first, was that a, like a bilingual jazz version of Led Zeppelin? Well, you catch me cold here because I'm much too unfamiliar with Led Zeppelin to be able to say they that. They have a so song called Communication Jim. Breakdown, which is what I think he thought it was. And I don't okay. know. That. I wasn't paying no. attention. I was doing other stuff, but I heard it was like Portuguese, it seemed. and uh, No, it was Viennese. Oh my God, that was Viennese? In a sense, yeah. Whatever it was, it was pretty groovy if you ask me. <laughs> That's all that really matters, right? Yeah, so I would never guess yes. that was Viennese. I didn't know. I thought Viennese spent, spoke German. Sure, but of course, I mean, just like in even in the US, you have all kinds of dialects, which I totally can't emulate. But uh, I mean, same thing in every 
not just like Germany and Austria, although there's of course a shared idea of high German, whatever this may mean exactly. And then you have local variations like at least every 100, 200 kilometers, well, 100 kilometers or whatever. Do you know what that one was called specifically? Like, did you yeah, know well, what mostly saying? I would say, well, of course, yeah, mostly. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. Because I thought that. it was only Portuguese. I did not know <laughs> yeah. German. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's partly why I played it. So um, this could be considered a variant of Viennese, I would say. But even here, there would be several, technically. So, yeah. Well, gentlemen, we can kind of go in any direction. There's no wrong answers. Like I said, we could talk about conspiracy theories. We could talk about, I mean, keep talking about music and art. Yeah, the one whatever. thing I can uh, still comment on with what you said, Hyacinth, earlier in terms of becoming a doctor and so on. I mean, maybe my view is, how would you say, jaded or whatever one says. He has and, smoked a lot of weed. He's kind of and I have, <laughs> And I have... Um, well, that was, I definitely came against the man, you know, before that. Um, so whatever this may mean. Um, catalysts is all I would say. No, but in terms of uh, universities, I mean, one has to be discerning about the state of universities uh, anywhere right now and also ideological imprints and uh, the validity and accuracy of what is being taught, the culture there, you know, especially in the US right now, it seems completely crazy, but I would say it's been, you know, ideologically and it's it's just not what it's, you know, representing hijacked. itself to be. Huh? Well, hijacked, hijacked. of course. But the, the simple idea would be, you know, like there's free study and free teaching and it's all so open, like, haha, if you look closer and get to the real interesting topics, they don't even have a department, you know? So it's like, what? what? Maybe on a positive note, there is something called ssrf.org. I believe it is, I'm going to tell you the exact name. So this is a spiritual research, spiritual research foundation.org. And this is apparently the one and only university in the world right now in India that's both uh, using, let's say, advanced technologies, I would assume frequency based tech and the like, but which can be proven with instruments. And they are simultaneously um, checking their concepts and hypotheses with psychics. So uh, those things do exist. So uh, who knows, maybe they're going to open, open up a program on music soon. <laughs> or you could pioneer it. Right. Actually, I was just about to say the exact same thing as you, Jim. Um, I thought just it. I didn't it. say it, but yeah. Thank you. So good. So we know what, what you have to do now. <laughs> well, I just sent you a link in uh, Messenger, uh, two of them. One is 21 Faces, the other one's this guy named Adam Neely, uh, who's in, in, I don't know if you've seen him, Hyacinth. Uh, Rafa probably hasn't because he's not a music geek. And I don't really, I'm not a music geek geek, but like this shit is compelling. So he'll get into all sorts of stuff. That thing I sent you specifically was about uh, music theory being racist because music theory when we say well, this is music theory it's like 18th century classical german music it's like there's right music way before that and way out you know so we focus on this and it, you'll like that document i mean the interviews and stuff like that uh gets into some very dicey um and interesting stuff but it's well done in any event um he's a good example where he's a bass player i guess and he can play all sorts of instruments because that's kind of how music school goes but uh again piano and shit like that um but he's now a youtuber right so i don't know how much he's gonna be like he could he's essentially a professor of 1.2 million people right like that's how many subscribers he's got which is a shit ton um and he's doing his thing maybe check out his channel 
Like you never know. I mean, straight up, you never know what where life will take you. Just follow your excitement. Raphael, tell him the equation. I'm always needing uh, a, a reconstitution <laughs> of this. Yeah, clear the throat. Attention, please. Any moment that you can, out of all the options that are available to you, pick the option that contains the highest amount of joy, the highest amount of love, the highest amount of excitement. Act upon that particular idea until you can act on it no further act on it without any expectation on a particular outcome or result and equally discerning part. whether you act out of a fear-based reaction or truly a love-based response in the next moment repeat the same process and if you follow through with that process it can both constitute so this is a metaphysical concept but it is describing an actual if you will process of creation and the idea is that through the application of the formula you can prove the formula to yourself this is nothing anyone has to believe in so then ultimately just and only the application and the honest you know self-reflection through that formula can allow it to be both the organizing engine and the driving force uh, within your life and uh, all excitement is connected to all other excitement and therefore all the you know potential uh, loose threads and so on weave themselves together in perfect synchronicity because excitement actually is the signal of your own higher self to you and uh, it is really that simple i did my very best to apply that the last years and uh, well i'm still around so Thank you for showing that. I mean, that's really, really powerful stuff. And honestly, like, there's a part of me that feels like that's what I'm trying to do, um, even though I'm still trying to work through all my own, you know, fear-based programming and all that, um, just my ego responses and, and everything that has complicated things for me. But I really do appreciate that. And it sounds a lot like what I've learned, um, you know, listening to Chris Wateki over the last few years or so. Um, so really, I, I'm deeply grateful for you both for sharing that and for everything that you've taught me just in this few you know hour and a half or so um yeah student what's of life that's what tomorrow is all about i mean i'm a double gemini rafael's libra he does does a schmoozing front of it but like he's an orthodox course he wants to like push limits right and like tinker with reality i guess you could say uh you have an 11th house son in taurus we're here to like learn and push and i was talking about this in the last podcast um, but essentially, I think like the paradigms and mechanisms that have been pushing things forward worked well and good enough. I guess I mean there's always issues, racism, sexism, bigotry, all the issues, right? <laughs> War, um, scarcity, thinking, all this kind of stuff. But the shift is happening now. This is a super new age, but it's like the shift has been happening in consciousness enough where we're starting to realize that we don't want to keep repeating the same behavior, and we have an option. We're kind of waking up out of the trance, in a sense, um, of culture. And that means at the end, you know, I don't know if you've seen the Titanic movie with uh, Kate Winslet, but it's like when shit starts really getting crazy, like people do create, some people play music and say, we're going to give you a soundtrack. It's been an honor to play with you. Like they're cool. Some people fucking punch kids to get a spot in the boat because they're rich dudes. You know, it's like people are going to do some weird shit right about now. Um, and that's kind of what we're seeing where military, you know, militaries and political realities uh, are starting to crumble with credibility. So whether it's a war on terror, which is a rather amorphous thing, or a coronavirus where you have to fear everybody around you. Like, these are the last 
attempts, I guess you could say, at hijacking consciousness to go towards fear or love. And I always, I mean, trust me, I'm a double Gemini. I, I'm, I have issues with this. Like I get distracted very easily. But um, that's the choice, fear or love. And it's like, it sounds like you're doing the work. I mean, I'm not here to judge you. I don't like care at some level. That sounds so love and It's like, I don't give a shit. Like, do your thing. But at some level, it's like, it sounds like you're priming yourself to launch. Like you, you're like orienting towards the point in the sky, let's say the Pleiades, and you want to launch that way and you just haven't lit the fucking fuse under your butt yet in a way. That'll probably happen at your set in return. Don't feel bad. That's like the midlife crisis thing. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that hits. I should look at your chart and see where it'll hit you. Uh, prepare you if you're wa- if you're watching uh, Chris uh, Wateki and all these other people. Um, what other astrologers are you into? Um, I like Pam Gregory. I like um, David Palmer, of course. Chris Wateki, though, has been my favorite. I think probably just because he's a Taurus as well. Um, and I think you know what? I think we have the same birthday, although he was born, um, you know, in a different year. I think I think we're both May 9th. Um, so that's sort of interesting and, and to kind of tie it back to, um, what I was saying before about me and my mom being so closely, you know, connected on this, on this path and always learning from each other. It's interesting. Her birthday is May 6th, 1973 and my birthday is May 9th, 1997. Um, but I think Chris Wateki's birthday, if I'm not mistaken from what I've kind of gathered from just listening to him talk about his own experiences and his own chart and his own astrology, I'm pretty sure his is May 9th, 1973. So my mom's birth birth year with my birth date, you know, so it could be something along the lines of just like connections from past lives or, you know, from a different star system or something along those lines or just soul tribe, soul family, whatever you want to call it. But um, and I would have to include my mother in that as well. My mother is probably my favorite astrologer. <laughs> oh, so she never gave up? No, I mean she's still she's still going. She's still doing her thing. Um, she's still she's still pushing forward with her own work too. Um, I think she's also kind of in the same spot as me, where it's like, like I love how you put it. It's like you're priming yourself. You're kind of setting your um, setting your trajectory, you know, to move forward, still kind Orienting, of... Orienting, but not launching. Exactly. It's kind of like, um, <laughs> I, I don't even know exactly. I'm thinking of, like, uh, in in A New Hope, you know, when they're going to fire the Death Star beam, like the guy with a weird helmet, like in some weird chamber with, like, a this lot of lights. Awesome. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I guess it's like it's, it looks like a weird I don't even know like a Pac-Man was distorted I think I know what you're talking about where it's like an overlaid helmet right uh, right yeah yeah it's like this is the nuclear reactor helmet for the plasma beam that we're gonna uh, shoot people with. right crazy stuff so what kind of culture are you into outside of kind of like classical high classical stuff it sounds I mean just start you like Star Wars really tell me about anything you geek out on um, so I like Star Wars, of course. Lord of the Rings has been um, something that's been with me my whole life as well. I hope um, you've read the books, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, cool. Just trouble t- Some people are like, fuck yeah, Tolkien, I love, or Peter Jackson. I'm like, bro. Like, yeah, right, actually, books. right here next to me, I have this book um, of pictures that Tolkien himself drew, um, you know, for his for his books, I guess, in his notes or something along those lines. But it's funny, it was a book that I got a long a long time ago, so... Um, that's funny, but I also like, um, really music of all kinds. Lately, I've been really interested in, um, kind of non-Western music, especially the music of Indonesia, Bali, even, um, Japan. 
uh, or China. One thing that I kind of found really interesting was before all this coronavirus stuff hit, I was becoming really, really obsessed with listening to like traditional Chinese um, music. Um, and especially one. That's, right, that's, absolutely. That's, I mean, it's moving. It's, it's like what Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon kind of stuff. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, and one group especially that would perform um, like traditional uh, Chinese, like court, royal court music. I forget exactly what the name is. It starts with a G. Um, but anyway, they is were it from a massive the, multi-piece band. Yeah, and they, they have like a lot of really nice like animation that they kind of play um, along with the video of them, you know, playing. But it's interesting, before all this stuff hit, it was probably like in December that I was just becoming so like obsessed with all this. I discovered that they were actually from the Wuhan province and it was just so like kind of <laughs> strange to me. Almost it, it almost felt like some sort of weird like like a precognitive like right exactly or like a musical kind of like a little musical wink at me like buckle up <laughs> buckle up hyacinth <laughs> it's gonna Something's be a... coming from this sector and it ain't just our fucking jams right exactly and um yeah just weird weird little things like that that i've noticed um i'm really into uh fitness um yoga north um, virgo no, oh yeah yeah absolutely and uh, virgo mars as well just 10 degrees off the off the node um and i think you know I think oscillating Lilith, um, not black black moon Lilith, even though I think she's at five degrees of Virgo. Um, oscillating Lilith actually conjuncts my Virgo Mars at 17 degrees. So that's been interesting. Um, <laughs> still trying to figure out more about that. But um, astrology, of course. Astronomy, too, I, of course, to bring it to the Virgo kind of state of awareness. I like to try to look at what the scientists have to say, even though I'm you know, skeptical, of course, or just kind of cautious. Um, hey, being... NASA says Saturn's rings are dissolving. It's like, yeah, the conjunction happened this year, guys, of course. It's starting. I don't think it's happening like immediately. I don't know how into NASA you are. Some people don't credit them much. But, uh, yeah, it's we're in a shift. Are you in? T I, I don't know if you have Netflix, but I just finished an anime. I've been binging. I'm teaching myself Japanese uh, for like 90 days now on Duolingo. And it's crazy because I've, I've gotten the uh, first place in all these leagues. And now I'm just like, getting first place to like cock block people from getting first place on like board. It's like top of the pyramid bullshit. It's annoying. It's not much of a motivator for learning. I'll tell you that. But, um, there's an awesome anime I just finished called on Netflix called your lie in April. It's only like 24 episodes, 20 minute episodes. And, uh, it's about concert pianists in high school and like crazy stuff they're dealing with. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie shine. Uh, it's kind of a, a doc, it's not a documentary, it's kind of a fictionalized biopic thing about a guy having a nervous breakdown playing the rock, the rock one off three. Um, it's a New Zealand film, I think. But anyway, really good film there too. I'll see you some links. I'm rambling. Point is, these are things you might dig. Keep talking about the shit you geek out on. Well, I appreciate that. Um, and it's actually funny that you brought up, um, your lie in April, right? Um, if that's what it's called. Correct. I haven't, I haven't seen too many animes myself, but Someone else mentioned that to me today and was like, you should watch this anime. It's really cool. I think you would like it. It's about musicians. Oh, you'll love it. Right. So now I'm definitely going to have to have to watch it. Um, but what else do I like? <laughs> I like to eat. I'm a Taurus. So, of course, that's kind of a given. Um, Is that like healthy stuff? The North Node, Mars, and Virgo? Or are you just like very Oh, picky? yeah. How does that work? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a picky eater. Um, I'm a vegetarian. I've been a vegetarian nice. forever, um, pretty much. Um what else do I like? I like books, even though I don't always read them. <laughs> I at least like having them around. 
I like um, being out in nature. I like listening to people. Um, I'm more and more, I'm getting to like myself, I guess you could say, which is probably the biggest thing. Fuck yeah. Yeah, you're a cool monkey, dude. I mean, that's the point. I don't, I'm not to like make this out like a Darwinian like joke. It's like we're all in. The whole point of this podcast at some level is a therapy couch for me dealing with the apocalypse. And Raphael's been a great psychotherapist friend. I'm like, how do we make sense of this? He's like, this is what I see. And he's like, oh, thank you. Um, but at the same time, asking random Pokemon, like, why they're Pikachu and why they say Pika Pika and, you know, shoot electricity or whatever. It's like every, there's some interesting characters in the stage of life. And not that, not to say not, you know, everybody is interesting in the, to a degree, but then I really do think there's some profoundly, um, people that should be noticed. I, and uh, all the shit that you put out has been <laughs> interesting. Uh, uh, I think if you take, I mean, I'm not saying to do this, I don't want to freak out your neurotic North and Mars situation, um, but it's like, I bet if you take time to learn a little about video editing, you can have an interesting YouTube channel or something like that, like straight up, like because you, you're spinning it in a different way. Check out that Adam Neely link I sent you because maybe that'll inspire you. He seems like a Virgo. It's super academic, super straightforward. I think you'll like it. The presentation's super heady. It's academic. It's music. I mean, it's like musicology, music theorist, nerds kind of geeking out on everything. Like, you'll dig the channel, I think. So thank you, Andrew. But, um, yeah, I'm not meaning to cut you off. You're just a cool monkey. And I, it's, I, I, I had mentioned in, uh, when we were lining up this thing, uh, looking at our, I forget all the conjunctions. There were some things now, I mean, it's not right in front of me, but, um, you're a person that I want to collaborate with at some level. I don't know how much original music you could do. I think I'm putting your SoundCloud link in the links for people who want to check it out. I haven't checked out much of it. Um, uh, sad to say I'm such a busy double Gemini, right? But, um, you seem on it with a lot of shit, so just kind of massage life and see what comes out, and I think you'll find yourself pleasantly postured for more great things than just an academic career. It might be that too, but like I think it, getting the kind of distance you have from it in such a way, um, because I took music theory at one point uh, in school, and it felt like learning grammar, and I'm a poet. You know what I mean? It's like, holy shit. Although it can aid, and I think understanding the mechanics um, goes a long way, like theory and shit. Obviously, sight reading opens up doors that you wouldn't have otherwise. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what you kind of do in terms of hacking, because you're going to hack your reality. You're a tourist in the 11th house, so it's just like you're going to be a hacker, and it's going to be about bringing value to your hacks, right? So it should be cool. Uh, have you read The Silmarillion? That's Tolkien, right? Yeah, I haven't read it because it just got so dense so quick. But that's like the whole Genesis myth is like music. It's like, oh, really? I'm singing. Oh, dude, yeah, you should. Yeah, you probably dig it because maybe you have the patience to get through a genealogy. You know, it's like a Genesis. He begat him, and all, you know, kind of stuff with elves and worlds. And at some point, I was like, this isn't action-packed enough for me. I can't do this. But the premise is something to the effect of like the song of creation is doing great, and then this like one monk or this one dude named Melkor, I think, or something, starts like making dissonance, basically. Like, oh shit, we're singing in perfect harmony. Now you're a triton. What are you doing? So uh, you might dig that. Yeah, that's really interesting, especially how um, if you compare it to Genesis or whatever, it's like in the beginning was the word, or, or however it's phrased. You know, in the beginning was sound or whatever. So you know. There's definitely something to that, even maybe just on like a quantum a quantum level um, of just nothingness becoming something somehow. You know what I mean? So really interesting stuff that you bring up there that is really you know resonating a lot with me, even if I can't quite articulate it with the right words in the right way. 
but I definitely do um, appreciate everything that you guys have shared with me. I definitely appreciate um, being invited on here. And um, you both especially, I feel, you know, a deep connection with, even though it's completely illogical or... Soul tribe. Oh, right, ex exactly. Um, well, so, look, are there any kind of parting thoughts? I mean, is there anything we haven't talked about that's on your mind? Or is there anything... Like, I'm kind of curious... Well, we'll have to get back on sometime, but um, what were you going to say? How about the new moon that's coming up tomorrow or <laughs> tomorrow? tonight? I think in Libra, right? Right. Oh, how about it? I don't know. I mean... Do, do we have any new moon stuff. intentions? Um, well, I'll let me collect my thoughts. I haven't done it. I usually just do a day of I'm a dingus like that. I'm like, oh, cool, let's do this. Uh, I'm going to have, I mean, right now I'm engaged, right? And I'm restructuring a lot of my behaviors for that, but it's not for that, for that. It's to get me in a place that's appropriate for where I need to be to most highly function in a relationship, if that makes sense. I used to be like a heavy drinker and drug user and stuff. Not that I'm against that at all, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, point is, I've been cleaning up my act a lot lately, um, for love. And I guess just to keep making sure that, for me, you know, balancing relationships well, not just giving too much, uh, making sure that it's harmonious on all fronts. I'm getting as much as I'm giving or something like that. Yeah, I'm there with you, honestly. Just keeping it, keeping it together, keeping it in balance, you know, um, weighing everything against the heart, to use the sort of scales metaphor. And, of course, musical scales, too, right? I always... That's what always comes to mind when I think of Libra. Um, and remember, of course, there's many more scales that, than just the ones that we're taught, the major and the minor, um, and the modes and all that that you brought up earlier. And, of course, scales that didn't originate in the West that, you know, came from ancient Greece or ancient, you know, ancient who knows where, <laughs> right? And we still don't know where. So um, I guess that's, that's where I'm at, too. Although I, I feel like at this point, it's mostly my relationship with myself that I'm uh, more concerned about. There was a time where I was really um, focused on the external world, I guess, or just trying to please everyone else. And now it's definitely more about just me uh, <laughs> trying to please myself. But that um, that's a different story, I guess. Well, you're doing good. Don't be too neurotic with that Mars and Virgo North Node. Right, that's uh, my motto. Yeah. Right, just take a chill pill. Um, yeah, you're doing a good job, and it's going to be fun to see kind of your trajectory. I'm glad we stumbled upon each other. I appreciate, you know, uh, your tips. <laughs> and But bottom line, straight up, like, you're cool. Uh, love with house shit. Yeah, you're good awesome, game. too. Oh, I know. You don't have to tell me. It just stokes my Leo, North, uh, my, uh, <laughs> North, uh, Leo rising. Guys. I'm like, hey, I get it. But, uh, Laraphael, you got any kind of parting thoughts? Well, all is well. And, of course, you'll be just fine, but that wasn't even a question to begin with. And, uh, yeah, everybody keep having fun following your highest excitement. What else can I say? If I knew something better, I'll tell you. <laughs> hey, if it's not broke, don't fix it, as they say in Beauty of the Beast. Um, so I guess this outro, um, I like Claire de Lune. This was like a slow version of it, so it seemed cool. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Tokyo Sonata. It's a pretty powerful um, film. Check out that maybe i'll send you a link to the trailer for that but yeah i'm just throwing all this culture at you i hope some of it sticks but bottom line this is a beautiful song and i didn't know what to pick because i think you do classical kind of stuff more than not and uh this kind of felt resonant so hopefully you dig it 
I guess, yeah, guys find the others. There's all sorts of kids, all sorts of ages uh, coming in and uh, becoming the change they want to see in the world. So find the others and make that fucking shit happen. That's Thank wonderful. You. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, and enjoy yourselves.